Hello everybody, hello and welcome. Welcome to Essex Church on this grey Sunday morning. Welcome to this gathered community of Kensington Unitarians, a community that welcomes all who come through our doors. And we also bid a warm welcome to anyone who may be listening to this service through a podcast sometime in the future. And we hope that they too will have a sense of being welcomed and of belonging to a community that can transcend both time and physical location. So welcome to this, our Easter Sunday service, this day on which Jesus is said to have risen from the dead, a day of celebration for Christians around the world. Now, as Unitarians, we're free to form our own beliefs about the events of Easter week. And as human beings, we can all share, I think, in the hope and the promise that this time of year represents. And we mark this day by saying hello to everybody and by inviting you all to join in an Easter lunch after the service. So if you're new to this place or a visitor here today, we also invite everyone at the end of the service to greet someone that they have not met before. So. Let's now take a moment to create this as a holy time and place for us to share together this morning. We can do this by being present in this present moment, aware of the world outside, but willing to let it go for a while, aware of ourselves and the concerns of our everyday lives yet perhaps willing to put them on one side for a while so that we might be aware of something greater than ourselves. Whatever name we give to this, be it spirit, be it love, be it the divine or the God of our understanding, we can create this as a holy time and a holy place by being aware of ourselves and one another and the common humanity that connects us. An awareness that can dissolve illusions of separation and isolation, bringing instead that sense of connectedness with all that is. So may this time that we spend together be holy, be blessed by the divine spirit of life and love. this time of year we can give thanks for life reborn we can give thanks for joy that helps us to overcome loss and pain we can give thanks for the earth as it blooms its renewal and we can give thanks for life's great potential contained in seed and egg and in all living things And as a sign of our gratitude, we light this chalice flame, symbol of our worldwide Unitarian community. And maybe we can take the issues that those candles represent um, into a time of prayer and reflection, which focuses on the miracle of spring, that sense of renewal. So I invite you to join me 
in a time of prayer and reflection. As life is everywhere in this season of spring of renewal, evident in each new bud and shoot. Let's pray that our lives may be blessed with that same renewal that we're seeing all around us in nature's annual celebration. Let's ask that our senses may be open to the gifts and the companions that are part of our journey. The ones we often take for granted. It's easy to walk the way of life with our eyes on the road and to forget to look over into the face of another, the ones we're sharing the journey with, whether they're neighbours, friends, family, partners, it's, it's good to remember that a Holy Spirit can be found in the familiar and indeed in unexpected people and places. And perhaps the last place we expect to find that spirit is in, is in, in the tomb within ourselves, where hopes and possibilities lie buried, squashed by time and circumstance, potential unfulfilled. Maybe we can free what is imprisoned inside of us. Maybe hopes and possibilities can walk alongside us. Maybe something delightfully unexpected and unheard of awaits each of us in this season. I invite you now, in a moment of shared silence, to send your thoughts of love and concern to all people and all places that are hurting and despairing, that they might know hope once more. To be made of flesh and blood is to risk being wounded, both physically and emotionally. So let us in silence once again think of the wounded places within ourselves or within those we love, that our care might help to bring healing, reconciliation. And as all around us in the natural world, we're seeing signs of new growth and renewal, may we too find within ourselves a strength to begin again in love, each hour, each day, accepting that which is, yet always willing to help make a difference in our world. And may this be so. Amen.
this, um, we're having two readings, one after the other. And uh, this first reading comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. Mark's Gospel, you perhaps know, was the earliest Gospel to be written down. And these are the original final verses. Some extra bits were added later. Um, Mark's Gospel, in its original form, ends like this, with the word afraid. So when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early, on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They'd been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He's not here. Look, there's the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. At our Unitarian Universalist Church, we received an invitation from our neighborhood newspaper to place an advert for Easter. Someone suggested to me that we should advertise. It should say something like, join us. We're not sure what happened. We're not sure what happened. But we know what it's like when someone appears whose message offers hope, who inspires us with new ways of living, which touch our hearts and lift our spirits with anticipation. We know what it's like when they fall short of our expectations, or, worse, are cut down by the forces of hate and bigotry. We're not sure what happened. But we know what it's like when someone has grown profoundly into our own lives, who seems as much a part of our living as our own breathing, whose presence lives in our souls. We know what it's like when death takes them from us, perhaps prematurely, and the empty place in our souls is much like an empty tomb. We're not sure what happened, but we know what it's like to feel sorrow and loss and despair and grief. We know the waves of tears and the thoughts of the past which flow through us, which begin to fill the emptiness with stories and memories, begin to shore us up again with different presence, which will live with us for all of our lives. We're not sure what happened, but we know what it's like to realize, to have it dawn upon us, that we have known and loved life, and love lives on now with us and within us, a part of who we are. We know that somehow in our hearts and souls, resurrection is real, not that of the body, but of the spirit, 
a spirit renewed, even reborn in the midst of our lives and our living. We're not sure what happened. But we know that there is a difficult hope, a faith that through the living of whatever sorrow and grief we feel, and will continue to feel on occasion, there is also a growing sense of grace and gratitude, of joy and thankfulness in the mysterious abiding astonishment of human being. In that wonder, may we find our own strength, our own sense of Easter. I really like this. It's about going beyond our walled gardens. Um, but I haven't thought how we were going to do it. <laughs> but maybe Tristan, maybe your group in the middle section, you could do the, the first line and then alternate, and then everybody else can be on my side. <laughs> and let's, there's nothing competitive about this at all. <laughs> <laughs> Just do your best, Tristan, that's all you can do. Believing we are traversing the whole of creation. With the spirits of discovery, let us With the eagerness of youth, let us seek out the secrets unfolding in our peripheral vision. Let us greet each day with praise and thanksgiving. Our lives are voyages with unknowable destinations. Let us fashion a network of mutuality and extend it into the larger world. In these ways, we know the life of the Spirit and we know the gift of grace.
now to lead us into a time of uh, stillness and meditation together um, so feel free to get yourselves comfy however works best for you perhaps putting down anything you don't want to hold on to and holding on to anything you do want to hold on to um, maybe sensing your feet on the floor that gravity holding you in your chair feel free to think thoughts around my suggestions or any other thoughts that you want to have at this time. Perhaps take a few conscious breaths and just allow yourself to let go as you're breathing out. Perhaps soften your gaze or close your eyes, whatever works for you. And after these few words, there'll be a, a good few minutes of shared stillness together, and that comes to an end with a chime from our bowl. I invite you, if you wish, to, to think about moments of grace in your life. We, we heard a song just now about the loveliest of trees, the cherry in springtime. I wonder if you're someone who notices the blossom on trees that's just starting to show. There are some beautiful daffodils in the park that have managed to withstand the snow and the winds. Are you someone who notices when the wind blows? when you leave London and actually get a, a breath of fresh air. Have there been moments of grace in your life, unexpected times when things suddenly sparkled, when you met somebody perhaps, or something dawned on you that you'd never thought before? I invite you in the stillness and the quiet to think of moments of grace in your life.
I'm glad you're here, Veronica, because I've stolen the words that start this address from your description of playback theatres uh, evening session sometime in April, which is about our monthly ministry theme of grace. I wonder what grace means to you. Have you experienced grace in your life? Is it a regularly used word in your vocabulary? Probably not. Yet it would have been if, if we'd been living a few hundred years ago. The dictionary defines a variety of meanings for grace. Elegance of movement, courteous goodwill, a divinely given talent or blessing, and the free and unmerited favour of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. Maybe you use the saying, as I do, uh, there but for the grace of God go I, to acknowledge good fortune in avoiding a mistake that someone else has made or their misfortune. And something's done with good grace or bad grace, meaning something done in a willing and happy manner as opposed to resentful or reluctant. A grace may be said before a meal, linking it with the word gratitude, with thankfulness. Um, I've got a, an old school friend to uh, thank for remembering with glee us saying grace before lunch every day in primary school and racing to say it more speedily than we had done the day before. For what we are about to receive, may the Lord make us truly thankful. Amen. Today is Easter Sunday, when churches around the world celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Now, anyone attending our group that we're running at the moment, sadly, it's completely full, because I know you'll all be racing to try and get a place the next time we run it. It's called How to Be a Unitarian, and I'm its keenest student. And all of us are now able to tell you that we Unitarians hold wide-ranging and diverse beliefs. Not all of us would agree with the reading we heard earlier on with its repeated message that we're not sure what happened when Jesus died. Some people feel very sure indeed. But anyone with an interest in world religions would agree that something happened. We heard the original closing verses of Mark's Gospel, which ended with the line, they told no one for they were afraid. And we remember Simon Peter's denial that he even knew Jesus. Standing in that courtyard while Jesus was on trial inside, Simon Peter, the disciple described as closest to Jesus, too afraid to acknowledge his friend. Yet within a few months of Jesus' death, his followers were openly proclaiming Jesus' radical message of love and equality. They were prepared to risk persecution and death for their faith. Something happened after Jesus' death by crucifixion. Something empowered his followers. <coughs> now, I don't know how many of us are here today. On Thursday, a group of us went on a visit to the city of London to see the Temple of Mithra. <coughs> it's been recreated beneath a big, shiny new office block, and it's well worth a visit. Um, it's free, and there are... Um, you know, there are artifacts there, there's an explanation of the cult of Mithras, 
and it's worth then going on to the Museum of London where lots more Roman artefacts are on display, giving glimpses of what life might have been like in the Roman city of Londinium all those centuries ago. The cult of Mithras spread through the Roman Empire around the same time as the early Christians. Archaeological remains, including those found here in London, indicate it was ceasing to be popular by the end of the 4th century, and it eventually disappeared. Now, we're all going to have to enrol in a university religious studies course if we want to take this question further. What elements are involved in forming a world religion as opposed to a cult that flourishes for a while but eventually dies? Might we call that added ingredient grace? I don't know. What I do know is that in my own life, grace is a useful concept to convey something unexpected, unplanned. The arrival of gifts in life that are not earned, not created, not even deserved. Grace cannot be controlled, though I think we can be open to its possibilities and we can allow its flow through us sometimes, perhaps. Grace for me is the serendipitous, the delightful moments of connection, of synchronicity, when disparate elements come together and create something new, some transformational element or force changes my outlook, my attitude. Now, a tiny example of this happened for me in our Good Friday gathering for witness. I don't know if you remember Friday, but it was extremely wet. I have never known the noise on this roof from the rain be as loud as it was on Friday. And we were in the middle of a reading, um, exploring the many possible ways that God is revealed. And the reading happened to mention the cry of the gulls. Well, would you believe it, at that moment, a clearly very large seagull landed on the roof and squawked. Now, probably nobody else noticed it, but I did, because I hate the seagulls that have moved into Notting Hill. I wish they'd stayed at the seaside. But the quality of takeaway food here in <laughs> central London <laughs> and just carelessly dropped. The quality of that takeaway food is so good that the seagulls have sensibly relocated. I don't think there's probably a seagull to be found at the seaside anymore. They're now all living on the roof of the building next door to the church. They wake me up with their cries. They attack smaller birds and they make a terrible mess. What a good message for Good Friday. God is to be found in the seagulls. There is a spark of the divine waiting to be discovered in all that exists. And grace. Grace is to be found in all beings that are authentically what they were born to be. Seagulls always have been and probably always will be scavengers. So I wonder what it means for each of us to explore who we are or who we might be as our authentic selves. No need to pretend or to strive, no need to fear or hide. Theologian Matthew Fox writes that community is another sort of grace, source of grace. In community, we're meant to grace one another to be sources of grace, healers by way of grace. 
So the task begins here. The simple yet profound work of making space for one another to be who we truly are. Happy Easter to you all. And do stay for lunch or a cup of tea. Amen. John uh, Updike writes that rain is grace. Rain is the sky descending to the earth. Without rain, there would be no life. So let's look for grace in unlikely places. In foolishness and failures, in mud and mistakes, on rainy, cold bank holiday weekends, and in all life's difficulties, as well as its pleasures. Let's look for grace in small kindnesses, in great gifts of art and music, in the natural world of plants and animals that carry on being who they are, whatever the weather. So go well, all of you. Amen and blessed be.